This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. Hello everyone. Takaho. Selamat datang. Konnichiwa. Hola. 안녕하세요. Assalamu alaikum. And Kiora. Connecting Cultures Features is a show by and for the beautiful and diverse multicultural people of Dunedin. Join me every Friday noon for Connecting Cultures Features on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM, podcast on oar.org.nz.
and you are listening to Connecting Cultures Features on RFM. Kia ora everyone, welcome to Connecting Cultures Features, a show by for and about the multicultural people of Dunedin and New Zealand. Today I'm here with Valeria Paris, the coordinator of English English language partners in Dunedin, mm-hmm. um, and we're here to talk about herself, her journey here, and also English language partners. Kia ora, Valeria. Kia ora, Rina. Thank you for being here today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Yeah. Um, I'm so happy to be speaking to you on Connecting Cultures, uh, especially with all the conversations we've had uh, between ORFM and ELP. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm also very happy to be here. It's a very friendly space. I'm so happy you feel that way because, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, some people think radio is such an intimidating thing to be out there, but I think you, you couldn't be friendlier. <laughs> <laughs> it's a warm place to be an yes. access media. I'm so glad to hear that. So, Valeria, mm-hmm. can you share with us what you do? Okay. So, um, I'm, the, I'm currently the coordinator, one of the coordinators of English Language Partners, Dunedin. I'm a teacher of English as a foreign language. I used to teach English in Chile, and I taught English for 10 years, but the context was absolutely different, so I learned everything again here. Mm. And I used to volunteer there first, and then I used to, well, I taught English for a couple of years, and then I started working as a coordinator. I coordinate the... ESOL programs, which means English for students of other, for speakers of other languages. So we teach English to migrants and former refugees. And I coordinate those programs um, where most of our learners are former refugees. Mm. So that's ESOL intensive program, ESOL literacy, and also one-to-one volunteer home tutor. Mm. Seems like there's a lot, a lot going on. Yes. And lots of people, but I love learning from them. And they teach me English because I'm also a learner. Mm. Does that help as well to know <laughs> that you're in the position of learning? Yeah. At first, I never thought I would teach English here. Never. Mm. Because I know that I make mistakes all the time. But Paul, who was the manager, said, but you've got the experience. You know what it feels like. You know, when you want to say something and you can't find the word. Mm. And people ask you to repeat. And and maybe you can share some ways you have found to remember things or how to learn English with the learners. So, yes, it worked. Mm. <laughs> and I'm here now. Yeah, that is really good to hear, um, especially with um, the different contexts. Because um, mm-hmm. uh, you're from Chile, mm-hmm. um, and your students are mostly former refugees, right? Yes. Mm. Yes. So, but the thing is, I never expected to be so closely connected with Syrian, especially with the Syrian learners. Mm-hmm. The first time I was volunteering in a class, I was drinking mate, which is something like green tea that's very popular with the, in South America and Argentina. Mm-hmm. You will see. Lionel Messi drinking it all the time with a wow. a thermo and <laughs> yeah okay. and it's like a pot with a straw that they drink. I don't know if you've ever seen them. Huh. And and the Syrian learner looked at me and said, "Mate," and then 
I was like, really? You drink? I never thought that mate was like people drank mate outside South America. And I found so many coincidences. And as the Latin American community is not really big in Dunedin, I was like kind of adopted or very welcomed <laughs> by mostly by the Middle Eastern community here. Yeah, it was mm -hmm. like a, finding a, a new family. Yeah. I love this because you think that there are so many differences in your cultures and you had something in common, which yeah. is mate. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, drinking mate and, for example, uh, I ran out of mate. I drink it instead of coffee because it's like it gives you energy, but it's not too bad for your stomach. So yeah. it's, it's healthier, they say. So I went to this um, store, Olive Branch, that's in Princess Street. Yeah. And... Because someone told me that I could find mate there. And I told, I don't know his name. I didn't ask his name. So the person there said, oh, no, we don't have mate. But I have some. I can give you some. And he gave me some. Oh. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that was very kind. Thank you if you're listening. <laughs> It's those small things that happen in your life that you just remember, right? Yeah. yeah. And that makes you feel part of the community. Yeah. I'm so happy that you had a good experience <laughs> with the Syrian community. Yeah. yeah. Wow, fantastic. And the sense of humor yeah. and with the Afghani learners, oof, oh, we laugh a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk a bit about your culture. Mm -hmm. um, so you mentioned you were from Chile. Mm -hmm. Can you share with us, um, you know, well, a bit about it? Chile is in South America. Uh, it's next to Argentina. It's like a very narrow and long country. It's like an isle, really. Mm. Okay. <laughs> like you got the mountains and then some land and then the ocean, the Pacific. Oh. And then if you cross the ocean, you are in New Zealand. So um, how many people? Probably 20 million people live there. I used to live in, um, well, I lived in the capital, that's Santiago. Yeah. And well, as it is common in Latin America, it's not very stable in terms of economy and politics and yeah. so it's not the most peaceful place to be but um and what can i say about the the country well people usually ask me about the weather well we've got the driest desert in the world in the north and in the south we're really close to the antarctica so wow. depending on where you are you can you can have places quite similar to Dunedin and the culture there Oh, okay. what can I say? It's, well, I'll try to summarize it. We've got, you know, in, in, in New Zealand, it's, it's the Maori who lived here before. And in South America, you've got 300 different groups of people that live there. So in my country, in the north, there was the... Um, well, there are so many, there are so many names, but I feel closely connected with the Andes, with those mountains and the culture of Peru and Bolivia as well. So, well, the Incas and many other groups. And in the South, we, you, we've got the Mapuche culture that, that was a, well, it was a great part. It is still called Walmapu in the South. And, well, part of Argentina and Chile. That's very still, diverse. 
people still speak the language there. Mm. Unfortunately, it's not like in New Zealand. So people don't know how to speak it mm. in general. So it's a very diverse country. It's a very diverse country. And now with crisis in other countries, we've got some um, former, well, refugees from Venezuela and some people coming from other countries in South America as well. Mm. What are some traditions or values from your culture that you adopt, you know, that you still have today? I think... Mm. Well, it's really a, a good. It's it's hard to 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 remember sometimes that I'm in Dunedin when I say hi to someone because we usually kiss like one ah. just one kiss and sometimes a hug. I don't know how things are now with COVID. <laughs> yeah, but probably when you meet a person, you say hi and you you tend to hug. The person. <laughs> yeah, that's a very normal thing. Yeah, And here it's like, ah, oh. it was a shock at first when people just say their name and, oh, okay. Yeah, that's fine. <sighs> But with women, for example, with the Syrian women, I give them hugs all the time. Hmm. So it's a bit different different because in, in Chile you say hi and you usually get closer to the other person if it's a man or a woman. But here, it's like almost the same, but mostly with women, of course. Mm. And what else? This thing of loving music. Mm. We love music. In, it's very, if you walk on the street, you will hear different songs. People loud will be listening well. to music yeah. very loud. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that. And I, I know it's a stereotype of the Latino dancer and you know, enjoying music. But I thought it was stereotype and I was, I'm kind of against stereotypes. Okay. But there's something real about it. <laughs> Part of it is true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We love music and I don't know. It's like moving your body, even if you're not a good dancer, but just enjoying mm. it. From my point of view, like Latinos are very energetic, you know? Yeah. Uh, um they're very friendly, they like talking. Yes. They like connecting with people. Um yeah, it's such a beautiful culture. It's like one of the places that I do want to visit in my life one day. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. You you would like it. Well, depending on where you go, but yeah. <laughs> it's I I think it must happen to other um migrants that when they, they live in their home country there are some Um, sometimes they don't like their neighbor countries or people from mm. the other countries. And then when you are a migrant somewhere else, all Latinos are like welcome. It's like if someone says, I'm from Chile, ah, nice. Where are you from? Mexico, Argentina, Colombia. I'm, I'm just, I react the same way. It's like I feel closer to the continent, <laughs> you know, to the, the whole community of, South, well, Latin America, if you consider Mexico to the south. Mm. Um, not only about Chile. Mm. That is so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, it's sharing. great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I miss the food, though. <laughs> I'm sure. When was the last time you were back? Well, 
I just left. I've never been back. Mm. But I uh, March 2019. So that was the time when you arrived yeah. in Dunedin, yes. My husband got a scholarship to study at the University of Otago. Mm. So that's why we came here. Mm. Do you see yourself living in Dunedin for long? I don't know. I like it. But I don't, I think I'm just starting. <laughs> mm. Four years is quite new. Yeah. Yeah, it's a migrant. You know? yes. mm. But yeah, I, I would love to hear more Spanish when I'm walking on the street. So mm. yes, for example, if I go to Wellington, you hear more people speaking Spanish and I feel like, oh, yeah. yeah. Latin American community is so big here. Great. So I don't know. Maybe more Latin Americans will come here. But there are many in Queenstown. Yes. Mm, so I've heard about that as well. Yeah. You mm. can hear Spanish everywhere. <laughs> That's where you feel more most alive, I'm sure. Yeah. Mm. Like the, the first time I heard someone speaking Spanish here, I was like, oh, really? Yes. I was like <laughs> so excited. But yeah, now I feel happy when I hear Arabic Farsi, you know, it's yeah. be, it's strange. It's it's become part of like a second, you've or adopted, third yeah, <laughs> you've adopted that culture. I'm sure, yeah. Mm. And with your role as the coordinator mm -hmm. of ELP, um, how are you finding it so far? It's very interesting because, especially as a learner of English, because you have to do many things at the same time, so you can get very tired. But I would say the most challenging thing is to talk about uh, issues that are not everyday or very personal with someone in a second language. You don't want to hurt any anyone's feelings, and sometimes you can't find the right word. So you need to be very clear when you say something. And... Yeah, I think that's that's the biggest challenge. Mm. Try not to hurt anyone's feeling because sometimes you just don't find the word. You just use the different one and people misunderstand the message. Yeah. But I love being in contact with the migrant community. I feel I am part of it. So I'm. I think it's the friendliest place to work because if I pick up the phone... And someone, whoever's calling, they don't quite understand what I said. Or if I don't understand them, it's like, you know, I'm a learner. We teach English here, but we also learn. So could you please spell your name again for me? I'm not good at spelling. And then <laughs> they do it. So it's it's a very friendly place to be. And you work with lots of teachers, so sometimes... Which preposition goes with this verb <laughs> when mm. I'm writing an email, for example? And I ask them and they give me some advice. Or if a learner calls and they spell their name and I didn't, I have to ask them to repeat. I say, you know, I'm also learning. Can you please spell it again? Mm. So, yeah, it's really friendly. It's lots of things going on all the time and the unexpected all the time. Like yeah. someone can knock on the door and say, oh, you know, I have these books for you. Oh, thank you. Bye. And then, I don't know, anything can happen. Mm. But usually good things. Yeah. We haven't had bad experiences, really. <laughs> that is so good to know. <laughs> like, yeah. 
uh, it sounds very friendly, like the whole um, program as well. Hmm. But it's it's very. I don't know if well, peop- I'm sure that someone must have done some research about this. But this identifying with other who is also a migrant, looking at each other and smiling because it's like if you were neighbors somehow. Hmm. You know. Because oh. you know what that person must have gone through. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> it's it's very helpful. Mm. Uh, like, I don't know. I I don't know if I've been incredibly lucky and having lots of very very um, friendly and kind people coming to the office. But I don't know. I think smiling is universal. Maybe mm. that's why when they knock on the door and then you just ask them, "How can I help?" Mm. They are very nice. Yeah. So with the programs at ELP, mm-hmm. um, obviously it's, you know, it's wrapping up real soon. <laughs> yeah. um, is there anything you're looking forward to or anything you'd like to promote on air? Um, well, I'll have a, maybe, yeah, I'll talk about our courses for uh, a minute. So we've got courses that go from literacy. So if you don't know how to read and write in English, if you know somebody who is a migrant who can't read or write in English, and if they are permanent residents, they can study with us. So sometimes people are embarrassed because they they know the first, the, the alphabet, or they, they can read and write in the first language, and they can't read or write in English. But we have courses for all levels, and... Something that I I would like to emphasize is that it's English for settlement. So there there are very interesting discussions in our classes about where you can find, um, I don't know, the vegetables that you miss from your home country, and then it you, you give cooking advice or what product works for you when you or I'm looking for this product that I haven't seen in New Zealand. And then you share this experience with your classmates and then the teacher and then everybody helps each other to feel like they are at home. So the language is taught in a way that you can use it. How to speak with your doctor, how to talk to your children's teachers at school, for example. How to answer questions in a job interview instead of you know, today we will talk about auxiliaries for the past. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, completely random. I mean, <laughs> grammar is part of the language, but our lessons are like, okay, here you have these expressions that you will probably hear and use. Kiwi slangs and everything. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, for example, um, when 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 you go to the supermarket and the checkout operator asks, um, how are you doing? Uh, how are you doing? And sometimes the learners don't know how to answer or they don't really know what it means. They say, mm. they just smile <laughs> when you're trying to be friendly, right? So then the teacher can help them. How do you answer? How, how can I answer to this? Or what are you up to? I didn't know what to say, you know. I I studied English at the university at home. Yeah. I taught English for ten years, and when someone says, "What are you up to?" 
<laughs> I, yeah. I I didn't know what to say. And and when the teacher was teaching the learners that, she invited me to be in the class then, so I could also learn. So ah, so you say not much. That's like the most common answer, but mm. you can also say this, this, or that. And yeah, that that's really helpful. Mm. That that is something that you just don't think about, right? Yeah. Like that is such a slang, and What it's basically yeah, it's basically like conversation starters. Yeah, um, and Kiwis love that. You know, <laughs> they love <laughs> small talk, um, and for some cultures, it's. You only say you don't say you don't say how are you to other people, especially strangers. Yeah, uh. and and when you say ah, is this an equivalent of how are you? Because that what that's what appears. Oh, that's what you see in the books when you study overseas. Yeah, but not many people here say how are you. Yeah. So if if someone says how's it going, <laughs> it's like a learner said when they didn't quite understand. So. I I walk. They they answer like, "How are you? How are you going?" or something like that. Yeah, I'm going. Ah, go. Ah, I I walk. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. it makes sense. It really makes us think and be aware of our language when we use it with other people. You know. Mm. Yeah, I have a problem with this expression. Would you mind doing this? Uh. <laughs> Because I say yes. <laughs> I always say yes, and yes, I do. <laughs> and I'm very happy to help. So I say, "Oh, Valeria, would you mind opening the door or the window?" And I say, "Yes," but oh, it's so hard It's for me to opposite. understand that I have to say no. But ah, no, but it, it means yes. I'll help you. <laughs> yeah, it's really confusing. It is. So I said. Yes, I'm happy to do it <laughs> when I say yes, and then I complete it. Yeah, complete the sentence. It can, it can be very confusing. Yeah. yeah, I'm so happy to hear the way you speak as a teacher and also, you know, as a student of English oh, language. Yes. Yeah, I make so many mistakes, and I'm sure that some people say, "Do you teach English <laughs> with that English?" Well, yes, <laughs> I, I do think it. I just don't understand that it's easier to teach when you're te learning. Yeah. Mm. And and there's a lot of jokes, and and the sense of humor is essential in the classroom. Like when we say English is crazy, like you mow the lawn, but if you change the EDM for a C, it's like it's not a, a cow, it's a cow. And the students look at me and say, "Why?" Uh. <laughs> well, best answer is English is crazy. It is. There are no rules. It's so out of the place. <laughs> They just want to hear some rules, and yeah, it's hard. It's it's hard for me to say I'm sorry, but English is a language of exceptions more than rules. Yeah, I really appreciate you here, Valeria. Thank you so much. Um, well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> before we wrap up, is there anything you'd like to share before you go? Well, I just talked about the courses that I coordinate. So we also have some classes for other levels, and we have um, lower intermediate beginner level on Mondays from twelve thirty to two. We have a beginner class Monday, Tuesday morning, ten to twelve. We have an intermediate class on Tuesday and Thursday from ten to twelve, and we have an advanced class Tuesday evening from six to eight. In the summer, January, 
our fantastic teacher Rachel will be running a pronunciation class. Ooh. So it starts in January. If you're interested, just you can call our center. I never learned the number of the office, but you can send an email to Dunedin at englishlanguage.org.nz. And if you want to learn English, but you can't leave your house because you're too busy or you have mobility problems, you can also contact us if you need a home tutor. We train volunteers that can teach you English at home and they can come to your house and teach you English there. Yes. That's that's what I yeah, it seems <laughs> like there's like a share. lot of options. A lot of options and also, whoa, many more than 100 online courses. Because if a teacher is starting a class about English for construction in Nelson, you can also attend the class via Zoom in Dunedin. Wow. So we have many many courses available. Mm. And most teachers, I would say all the teachers are really friendly. Mm. yeah well thank you so much Valeria <laughs> I think this is such a good conversation to have um, especially at the end of the year when people are thinking about what to do next year you know yeah. <laughs> yeah and some people have been living in New Zealand for more than 10 years they can manage they can do everything they need but they decide that oh maybe maybe I would like to improve my English and they come to class and then make friends there and then some students say, oh, this is my me time. I like to come to class because I can speak with other people. I socialize. I learn. So, and I have fun here. So mm. many of our learners have been with us for years. And they just enjoy attending the classes. Yeah. It's more of the community support. That's, yeah. that's what I love. I love From that. ELP. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really Thank appreciate you. Thank you for the invitation. Thanks for listening to Connecting Cultures Features on RFM.
And you're listening to Connecting Cultures Features on RFM. Kia ora everyone. Welcome to Connecting Cultures Features, a show by foreign about the multicultural people of Dunedin and New Zealand. I am here with Xuan Law from Interpreting New Zealand. Uh, she's the regional manager of Otago and Southland um, of the organization and we're going to talk about herself and also the um and also interpreting New Zealand. Kira. Uh Kira Arena. Thank you for having me here today. Thank you um, so much. Yeah, thank you. Um well yeah you said my name very beautifully. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for so, teaching yeah. me how to pronounce your name. <laughs> yeah I know it's hard. Um so I um am originally from China. I uh, was born and raised uh, in China. I came to New Zealand when I was 25. Um, I met my husband um, in China. We got married in China. So um, after we got married, we we came back to New Zealand with him. Um, so before coming to New Zealand, I was a um, junior lecturer in a Chinese university. I was teaching um Japanese. Oh, um, so, so yeah, I uh, really love learning foreign languages since um, very young age. So now uh, I've become, after you know, years of doing things differently. Now I've become a professional interpreter with interpreting New Zealand. Mm. That is mm. such a beautiful backstory to uh, your role. You know, yes. Mm. Um, so when I was um, in China, um, the I uh, had my bachelor uh, education in Chinese in a Chinese um, university. So my major was Japanese. Mm. Mm. I studied Japanese language and literature. Um, so after graduation, I um, I stayed in the university and taught my. Uh, Students back then was probably just a, a year or two younger than me. Mm. So I was fortunate to have to get that position. Um, so after coming to New Zealand, I started. Um, I carry on studying my Japanese. So I did a master's uh, degree with Auckland University in Japanese linguistics. Mm. Mm. Um, but I. Found that linguistic course is not very interesting. It's not so appealing. So we decided uh, to go to Japan oh. to actually exp- to 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 exp- experience the culture, the real, and, yeah, the real to learn the <laughs> yeah. the real, you know, Japanese. Yeah, they call it the 
yeah, just like, um, well, somehow the Japanese word came up to my mind. So it's just proper Japanese. Yes. Yeah, so, mm. so I we stayed there for uh, four and a half years. We, it was very, very um, memorable years that we stayed, uh, we had in Japan. Um, yeah. And then we carried on, uh, moved to United States. Mm. And that's where I had my first uh, daughter. Mm. So uh, after she turned one, we came back to New Zealand for good because we think New Zealand is a it's the best place for raising <laughs> children because yeah. you have been to a few countries so you know yes um, yeah the situation yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. um i'm interested to know um what about japanese culture and language that you know made you study it like what was the exciting part about the language uh i found the language is very interesting because they are so um open to absorb other languages because um, their writing system is based on classic Chinese. Yeah, the kanji, right? Yeah, kanji. And, and they have their own, uh, there's hilangana, they, they, there's their own uh, writing sort of uh, unit. <laughs> the word just escaped me. And, and also um, when the... Um, Portuguese and the uh, no more uh, those uh, not navigate no sailors went to Japan have started establishing trade. They are opened for all those Western um, knowledge, modern thoughts. So they and then they introduce a lot uh, a lot of loaned words into their uh, languages. So it's very interesting how they um, absorb other um, countries' wisdom uh, in mm. their daily life and mm. daily language. Mm. And that is probably to help communicate with uh, the visitors uh, when they're trading and um, the people who live there. Yes, mm. yes. And it's quite interesting when they introduce, uh, when they encounter a new um, concept. They would like to borrow the word for that concept, so it's kind of so it marked a very uh, distinct sort of distinguished it from this Japanese original uh, concept. Yeah. So that's quite I found it quite fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Oh, mm. thank you for sharing that. Mm. Um, like I think I did a few language classes in Japanese, but I couldn't. Like I'm not a language person, um, so I'm really interested for us to talk about. Um, interpreting New Zealand here uh, on the show. Um, but you mentioned that um, you're from China. Yes. Um, can mm. you share with us a bit about your cultural identity? Um, I, well, how do I understand that? Oh, and I, I always just think I have no doubt that I'm a Chinese, you know, and um, I speak Chinese to my Children and luckily, my husband also, uh, because we met in China, um, he also speaks Chinese. So Chinese is the main language in the family, and I have all my um, 
family in like my parents and my siblings are still in China, so it's kind of um, that that root Chinese root is still um, sort of uh, located in China. So, but I feel fortunate to have um, on top of my Chinese identity, I have the opportunity to um, live uh, in. New Zealand to add another layer of love, layer of like Kiwi identity yeah. because I have over the years uh, I have um, um, I don't know um, adopted all those culture and all those um, way of living so I think that's uh, a uh, something that I can cherish for yeah mm, that is so beautiful and um, it's just. Beautiful to hear people uh, appreciating and sharing their culture, especially to have their culture embedded in their homes, you know, especially when you have children. Yes, Mm. yes. I do try to um, educate them with Chinese culture. And so um, it's it's a big relief to hear when when they say they identify themselves um, well, as Kiwi and also as Chinese. Yeah. Mm. Mm. yeah. Mm. Thank you so much mm. for sharing that. Mm. Um, so let's talk about interpreting New Zealand. We yes. had a really long chat about um, the organization and there's so many things I learned as well. Like what does it take to be an interpreter, right? Right. Mm. Mm. Yes, I'll just give you a bit of an introduction about interpreting New Zealand. Mm. So interpreting New Zealand is a not-for-profit organization and it was um, established in 1993 in Wellington and it started out as just a, like a community interpreting um, service provider just to um, meet the needs of former refugees and migrants as mainly just have this uh, focus to help those um, that group of people to um, have access to government services and ha- help them to settle in New Zealand. So also have a voice. Um, so now uh, we have our head office in Wellington and we have also our operations our office in Christchurch and Nelson and in Dunedin. Um, now we're employed more than 200 interpreters and we offer services in over 70 languages so and yes as uh, I'm quite proud how big (laughs) that's become yes and yeah and also um, we offer language I mean services 24-7 as well Mm. wow so we can do um face-to-face, on-site interpreting, or we can do telephone interpreting and video interpreting. So Uh, so there are different ways to do it. Yes. Um, I'm glad you shared about the background of the organization because it's just so great to see how a small initiative can grow into something so formal, right? Yeah, Mm. that's right. It started from very um, just uh, um, some migrants themselves to see how uh, former refugees are having you know or and migrants are having difficulty in um, 
getting the service they they um, need. Yeah. So it's only started from very humble or <laughs> yeah. beginning. Mm. 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 Can you share with me the process of um, being an interpreter? Uh, right. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the something I want to talk about, um, interpreting New Zealand, um, because I think this is something we do differently from the uh, normal service provider because for us um, our recruitment process is quite a long and strict process um, starting from a English test so um, candidates will have to pass this test and then to be um, able to you know uh, start the training course and during the training course um, we will uh, cover many different aspects, uh, including code of conduct, code of uh, ethics, and also um, like uh, cross-cultural aspects and also how to build your um, terminology base and, and also um, a lot of um, introduction about um, some New Zealand's, for example, not not a lot, but um, just cover those legal uh, knowledge about legal system and medical mm. system. So the interpreter will have general understanding of, of how things work. Yeah. So. Hmm. Yeah, because especially um, to be talking to migrants or former refugees, those settlement questions must be something they need to. They need help with, right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's the main training uh, workshop. Um, now we um, call it uh, Applied Community Interpreting Workshop. Um, so after, so this is not the end of, of it yet. So after we finish this um, training workshop, we will conduct a final f- oral exam. It's basically it's like a mock interpreting um, assignment. So we will arrange uh, role players in the language that interpreter speaks. For example, um, I just um, uh, conduct or uh, uh, exam in Mandarin. So I play the Mandarin speaker uh, speaking client, and then we have um, another English speaking player and then we have the examiner and have the uh, interpreter so we just have the dialogue and the interpreter needs to uh, interpret between us and then the examiner will check all the aspects uh, uh, see if their meaning transferred is um, you know satisfaction satisfactory and also see how um, the interpreter um Manage the conversation. You, you know, sometimes you need to ask for clarification. Sometimes you need to uh, ask for repetition. So there's, yeah. Uh, something you need to pause the conversation yes. to interpret. Yeah. That, that's right. We call that cutting it because if it's too long, you will lose track. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you probably won't be able to remember everything. Um, so accuracy is most important for, uh, the, you know, interpreting to the most uh, important sort of goal to reach. So enable to um, interpret 
accurately, you have to sometimes you have to ask for repetition, cutting, or clarification. So mm, that is quite a long process. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, so yeah. At the end of that, if you pass, then you will be offered, or the inter, or the candidates will be offered a contract. So basically, that means they will be employed on a casual basis. It means when this job uh, demands arise, we will contact interpreters and check the avail- availability. If the interpreter is available, then we can just arrange for the assignment to be, you know, uh, done. Yeah, so it's mm. not like a normal job. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. So and after, yeah, but uh, we also, you know, after the interpreters sign up the contract with Interpreting New Zealand, we also provide uh, professional development. That means we will sometimes um, have like either webinar or in person workshop to just to have. Um, Either discussion or have a presenter to uh, share the knowledge in one specific um, area. Sometimes can be um, how to in, well issues in interpret in uh, mental or uh, interpreting for mental health. Yeah, yeah. or sometimes can be um, le uh, you know um, legal matters related to legal matters. So it's all. Depends on the job needs. Yeah, because mm-hmm. there's so many different situations when you need an interpreter, and um, it is especially important in those cases, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yes, it's very so. I, I, that's right. I want to touch, uh, talk about this new uh, standard MB is going to introduce in 2024. So, um, starting from the first of July, so all the interpreters who work for Uh, government agencies need to be certified by a organisation called NATI, is uh, a Australian national authority for translators and interpreters. So this is like a almost serves like a professional license. Mm. <laughs> yeah, mm. and that is good for um, the interpreters to know that. You know, it's such a valuable thing that being an interpreter is a formal yes. um, job, yes. and it's so yeah. important. Yes, um, yeah, and 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 doing these, you know, in, by introducing this policy, it's also a way to assure the, you know, the quality and the uh, consistency of the service. Yeah, mm. Mm. yeah. Um, is there any notices that you like to share with us? Like, are you looking for more interpreters? Yes, we are. Re- thanks for that. We are recruiting new interpreters at the moment. So, the um, languages we need are um, Tag- Tagalog, um, Farsi, Arabic, Dari, um, uh, Samoan, and uh, Cantonese. So, I. Uh, Encourage people who speak uh, these languages and who also have uh, excellent command of English come forward to apply and become an interpreter with us. Mm. Mm. And how would they apply? Is there an email they can contact or yes. a phone number? Yes, uh, uh, my email. Yeah, I can be reached by just Dunedin at interpret dot org dot nz. 
Mm. That's a very mm. simple, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> easiest mm. to look yeah. at. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, I really appreciate you here today to share about Interpret New Zealand and, you know, to get to know you. It's yeah. like, uh, what a wonderful yeah. job. <laughs> you know, because you were an interpreter before you became manager. Yeah, that's right. I, I am still an interpreter. Hi. So I have recently just um, passed my NATI test. So I'm a Nati interpreter now. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah. yeah. It makes it more like formal and, you know. Yeah, yeah. that's right. This is, that's the step we make is um, a step for, prof, uh, you know, of uh, professionalization. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's so important. Mm, yeah. um, well, I really appreciate the work you, you do mm. for the community and um, I'm sure people who speak those languages you mentioned will be in touch. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Thank you so much Thank for you. having me today. Thanks for listening to Connecting Cultures Features on RFM.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.